The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with uh, our very own highly acclaimed local author of note, Howard Linsky. Hello, Hello, Howard. Hello, Danny. Nice to be back, mate. Yeah, good to have you here. So uh, this is where we look at uh, Howard's choice of the best films to watch on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We also have another film that Howard has deemed... Too good to be forgotten. We didn't even rehearse that. And uh, and, and all I have to do is point at him, and he does that now. It's, it's, it's like a very well-trained I puppy. Am. I'm like a well-trained dog, that's yeah. right. Well done. <laughs> uh, there'll also be a look at uh, new releases of original movies on streaming services, but we start off with new releases in the cinema. And um, two films that both have a, a degree of familiarity about them, because one, the title is a play on an older movie, and the other one is a sequel, remake, reboot, something of an older movie. Indeed, yes, I bang on. So the first one is not The Great Escape, but The Great Escape-er. That's sort of Great Escaper. And uh, that is... Um, not The Greatest Caper, The no, Great none of that. Escaper. He's a great escaper, so right. he's very Because he has escaping. been known about being involved with capers he as has, well, hasn't he? Yeah. He has. He said this man that you're referring to, the wonderful Michael Caine. Yeah. And this is a, a, a big movie in that sense because it's more than likely Michael Caine's final movie after an incredible career. And it was definitely Glenda Jackson's last movie because she passed on not long after seeing the director's... Uh, presentation cut of it so that was pretty sad but um, it uh, is based on a true life story The Great Escaper um, and it's about a guy who hit the headlines some years ago back in 2014 he was a World War II veteran and he sort of inverted commas broke out of his nursing home so he could go to the 70th anniversary D-Day commemorations in France and this caught people's imagination now in reality he didn't escape he was, you know, he was an old man who was advised it might not be brilliant an idea to go at his age because he was 89 at the time and that was Bernard Jordan and he made his journey to France but it caught the public imagination, it got him on the news and this is a slightly fictionalised version of that starring Michael Caine as Bernard who coincidentally was also 89 years old when he made the film and um, still, from what I can see on the trailer it looks like a very, very fine actor he hasn't lost anything from through age um and this it's going to be i think sentimental because of the story it tells but it's also going to be sentimental because glenda jackson and michael kane you know were rounding off amazing careers they last made a film together 47 years ago and that was called the romantic english woman in 1975 okay it was a 47 year gap I feel like I need to jump in slightly on this. Uh, not, not that I wish to ever contradict you. Or, oh, go on. Or what did I get wrong? Well, 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 it's not so much about <coughs> getting it wrong, but you might, you might possibly be writing off Michael Caine a little prematurely. Oh, really? Uh, oh, only well, that I'm he's got, he's got another movie coming up. Ah. Um, he's, he's, uh, <coughs> he's going to be in the uh, film Now You See Me three. Oh, okay. He's been in the other two Now I, You See I Me. I wonder films. if he meant that. Did he film that first then, or something? Because uh, he has that one has a, last. That, that one's in pre-production. Oh. So it's, but he's listed as one of the cast of it. He's doing that actor thing, isn't he? Threatening to retire and keeping going. But uh, I just assumed at his age he probably would be done by now. He's literally ninety. So and what a man, what an actor. Yeah, what a career. yeah. Well, well, yes, and 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 I mean, of course, at the age he is now, most of his contemporaries have gone. Yeah. And he probably doesn't have long left. However, he's slightly <clears throat> younger than Clint Eastwood. 
Oh, wow. Who's still going, who's still making movies. And, and, and a, a, he has a, you know, a, there's, a, there's a, a list of movies that I he's would, got coming up. Personally, I'd like to see the two of them team up in Where Eagles Dare 2. And <laughs> Michael Caine can replace Richard Burton. <laughs> and they can storm a schloss together. Oh, dear. <laughs> That'd well, be brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, there, there's a thought. But, uh, but I mean, Michael Caine, what, what, a, what a wonderful actor. Oh, man, a career. It's just a, he's just done so many good movies. I mean, I, people used to tease him years ago saying he did bad movies. And he just used to retort, well, they paid me a lot for that bad movie. And I put them in my house. Yeah, you know? yeah, he was... He had a really good attitude to it all. Yeah, no, <coughs> totally. But uh, he's, um, yeah, he's somebody who... He's managed as well to very successfully reinvent himself a few times without noticing, without anyone noticing that he's yeah. reinventing himself. Well, that's true. Because yeah. he was the the handsome, like, romantic lead. You know, he yes. was the heroic, uh, you know, square-jawed, um, you know, sort of hero. Uh, and then he, he sort of went through a period of making perhaps pretty awful movies yeah. but but you know they in the early well. 80s maybe and yeah, then, yeah. then in the late 80s he transitioned a bit into character acting well, well yeah he went and did he, yes this is Hannah it and his sisters. yeah and he, he got an Oscar for that and, and then the Cider House Reels similarly well I was going to say yeah. that was his next sort of big I think uh, resurgence was suddenly he was yeah. taking on these older character roles and then from that he's not stopped working oh yeah well it helps that Christopher Nolan absolutely adores him and puts him in every movie he's even I think we talked about it once before. He was even the voice of the wing commander at the beginning of Dunkirk. Yeah. Where the three planes fly over. You don't actually see Red Leader or whatever his uh, code name is. It's Michael Caine. And you just pick up that voice and I knew instantly it was him. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he, he's, uh, he's had a, a, a wonderful career. He does look very old and frail in this movie, but then yeah. that's, I guess it's partly because they want him to look old and frail in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it, it'd be interesting if... I'd, I, I've not seen him recently in, uh, in an interview or anything, but uh, when I last saw something of him, he looked like he had a little bit of energy in him still. Yeah, I think so. He's, I think working keeps him going. Yeah. yeah, but but in this movie, they have made him... <coughs> you know, that they are accentuating his age true and talking of age the, the, the other little sub note on The Great Escaper is as is often the case with anything to do with the movie world there's going to be another film based on Bernard Jordan's life the guy who escaped of course there is and it's going to kind of, it's called The Last Rifleman and it's going to star the uh, positively youthful Pierce Brosnan <laughs> playing him so there we go. Yeah. I mean, Piers Brosnan must be pushing seventy. Yes, but in comparison to Michael, but yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> and, and got to be at least twenty years younger, hasn't yeah, he? Than, so uh, they're going to need a bit of makeup to make him look eighty-nine. Oh dear, let's just hope he doesn't sing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Mamma Mia, I'm still scarred. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to have to let that go. Oh, I don't know. I think it's a mean to keep keep on about it's that. Something you can't unhear when you've heard it, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm now anyway. trying to look up uh, Piers Brosnan's age, and he must be seventy. Yeah, rather rather unhelpful. Oh, uh, born in. 1953 so he would be ah, 70 there you are yeah, yeah. aren't we good yeah. Up with that? yeah so there you go yeah so he's he's at least 20 years younger than uh yeah than michael kane yeah. not a lot of people know that i, I thought he walked in there it was amazing i was me that's that was absolutely me. incredible yeah. just turned to look at the door yeah yeah <laughs> anyway um right that's uh, the great escaper although the other film coming up and of course we are in october which means we're going to have a slew of these kinds of movies yeah but this is the exorcist colon believer yes or also colon exorcist six i think it is i didn't even realize that it was a franchise i mean i'm, I'm notoriously not a horror fan fan or a horror film fan to be exact but you know as you've said before if they're done well they're good and if they're, often they're not done well but obviously the first exorcist movie incredibly influential 
I don't know anything about the others that have been since. I remember there was a sequel not long after the first one, which was Exorcist 2, The Heretic, right. which I think had quite a famous cast uh, as well. Right, right. I think it was, and it wasn't long after the original. Um, I, I am now trying to rapidly look well, up. In, in terms of famous names in this one, Alan Burstyn is uh, reprise, reprising, is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah, yeah. Of the role that she's had over you know many years and probably from the beginning. Um, um, because she recognises demonically possessed girls, um, you know. Insert your own punchline about that, but because um, she's been through it before, and yeah, that's the plot really. Um, the trailer, I mean, like like a lot of these horror trailers, you look at them and you think, oh, that's suitably scary, and uh, you know, people jump out on people. But you'd either love it or you won't, and I guess you know, if you, or you'll want want to watch it on Halloween night which I suppose it's come out a little early on the 6th of October, so whether it'll still be in the cinemas then I don't know, but maybe it'll stream pretty quickly, because they often do, don't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, The Exorcist has this sort of reputation for being arguably one of the scariest movies ever made, Yeah. uh, which I think is something that that popular culture and folklore have helped to propel that. Certainly, yes. Certainly. Do you remember that there used to be, I don't know if this happened around here, but where I grew up, there used to be, whenever it was a, a Friday the 13th, the, the local cinema would show a midnight like horror movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it would often be something like The Exorcist, which I believe was banned for many years. I don't think it came out on on home video for quite oh, a while. Right. Uh, and and part of... The, so, so that helped to make Mystique. it scarier, yeah. added <clears throat> to it all. And also there would always be stories about how St. John's Ambulance would be on standby because of how case. scary the movie is yeah. for anyone who, who, who faints. And, and I always thought... That that stuff that's just you know the, the press people at the oh, cinema. Oh, complete hype! Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's fabulous. But people, making making something of it. Uh, people write about this stuff in newspapers, and you know it becomes. I mean, the best way to get anybody to want to watch a movie is to ban it. Let's be honest. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if a combination, and it wasn't actually that it was banned. It was it was that it was never released on home media ah. until I think the early nineties. Oh wow! So they never tried to release it. It wasn't that it was banned. So the only way you could see The Exorcist was in the cinema. Right. And every time there was a you know it was a, a Friday the Thirteenth or. Halloween and things like that they used to do a late night showing at the local cinema where Fabulous. I grew up um, but uh, I just looked up and found the Exorcist um, uh, sort of franchise to try to work out exactly th- what these films were because uh, <laughs> yeah so there was um, yeah there was Exorcist 2 The Heretic which came out in 1977 so was that four years Gosh. after the original yeah. and then I do remember this there was The Exorcist 3 which was uh, directed by the writer of the first one, William Peter Blatty. Okay. Yes. And I think it had Rod Steiger in it, if I remember rightly. I thought you were going to say Rod Stewart for a second. Yeah. That'd be really weird. He did the music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there was um, Exorcist The Beginning, which was a the prequel. origin story. Yes. <laughs> and, and am I right in thinking that that... No, it, I was going to say, I had a feeling that Max von Sydow might have been in... Because he wasn't that old when he played the old yeah. priest. And, and he went on for a long time. I mean, yeah. he was in Minority Report, which uh, yeah. we've mentioned before and we will mention later. So, yes, yeah, so, so that there was Exorcist the beginning. There was then Dominion, the prequel to The Exorcist, which came out in 2005, which I think might have not bothered our cinema screens. Uh, and yeah. Then, yeah, then there was this one, The Exorcist the Believer, although there is also <laughs> already a sequel to this one. Oh, my. It's like the Halloween thing. And yeah, Friday yeah. The 13th, which is due out in two years' time, which is Exorcist <laughs> Deceiver. Okay. <laughs> 
and apparently the third one this is a tr- this is a tr- first of a trilogy of right. ex- like the Halloween films where they they announced three movies that were going to be the end to the, yeah. the series until somebody picks up the baton in a few years but but these were very um, it wasn't um, whoever I said for Exorcist 3 um, it, Rod, Rod, Rod Steiger it was oh, Rod Steiger. George, George C. Scott oh yes yeah he yeah. was uh, he was in it um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah but um, and Stellan Skarsgård played the character that Max von Sydow played in Exorcist the beginning oh right uh, I could see that I think that I could see mm-hmm. the similarity yeah. between the two I yeah. can see how that might work fair enough but uh, yeah it so, doesn't make me want to hunt them all out and watch them all in the loop no, though, I, know, on, on Halloween night or any other night I would but, imagine so. that, that they're not really worth <clears throat> worth looking for at all um, Max von Sydow <laughs> was in the uh, oh no his character is mentioned because his uh, oh, it's Richard Burton was in the second one Exorcist oh, wow. of the Heretic I knew it had a name in it uh, and, <clears throat> and I completely forgotten that I'm a Burton fan but that's yeah yeah he again. was in it but but in the late 70s he was just pretty much doing anything wasn't he his health so. was, 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 was fading fast it really he, was and I guess money divorces etc yeah. he was probably paying for a lot of stuff yeah. that, so he, he made a lot of old <clears throat> yeah. schlock right at the he end of his career yeah. including Exorcist 2 the Heretic wow but uh, but the, I saw a documentary recently about the Friday the 13th movies that I was oh, fascinated by, yes. but I have absolutely no interest to go and watch them now, no. but I was interested in, and the, the simple reason why there are so many of these movies around and these types of movies and these horror franchises is because they are so cheap to make. Yeah. So they, are compared to regular films, yeah, they, they, they're very cheap to make. Uh, a lot of like budding film talent will work on them because it creatively stretches them to do the, the effects on low budget and, and, and those sorts of things. And you get people who've often then gone on to be quite big in, in the and film And a lot industry. of the actors are teenagers because they're playing teenage characters quite often. You know, yeah. Slasher movies yeah. and things. They, they, they don't so have to rely on names because the, the movie itself is the name. It's yeah. the next one of that series. <clears throat> it's the next Saw movie, as was we had Saw 10 out last week. On, on yeah. You know, so it's... Yeah, it, they're so cheap to make and they make a good return because people like this sort of nonsense. I know, I know. It, it wouldn't make money if everybody was like me. But, no. You know. So there you <laughs> I'm go. I'm immune to it. I'm yeah. it. I don't think we actually but, said what, what, the, what the movie's about, but I don't know if it really matters. I think I did. Only in the sense that, like, Ellen Burstyn's character can spot the fact that these girls are demonically possessed yeah and that's pretty much all you need to know and then you can watch the trailer and, and you'll get a gist of it and she played the mum didn't she of the possessed so. child in yeah. the original movie The Exorcist yeah. um, going back a long long way yes yeah, so, yeah. so the film yeah so he says here the parents of demonically possessed girls desperate for help search for the only person alive who has had similar experiences which I'm guessing is yes it's Ellen Bernstein's character yeah there you go wow okay well Alrighty. those are your new releases in the cinema for this week I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest.
Let's have a look now at new releases on streaming service. These are original movies that are all out on the 6th of October. We're starting off with Prime Video. Uh, and, uh, yeah, tell us about the first movie. Uh, totally Killer, it's called. Which sounds totally Geordie. What? Totally Killer, man. Um, it's <laughs> it's um, we're, Funny enough, we've been talking about horror films, but this is a... Um, it's Halloween thing. It's themed on Halloween. And it's 35 years after the shocking murder of three teens. An infamous killer returns on Halloween night to claim a fourth victim. But what then happens is we get all back to future-esque because 17-year-old Jamie um, comes to... As in female Jamie, not male Jamie, comes face-to-face with the masked maniac and accidentally time-travels back to 1987. So you have this comedic culture clash thing going on as well as a horror film. So you get a bit of... Um, it is, it, yeah, it's reminiscent of Back to the Future because at one point I think she meets her mum, and the uh, as a youngster, and the character is played by Keenan Shipka, who you may or may not know the name, but she played Sally Draper in Mad Men for years as a youngster. That was, yeah, that was Don Draper's daughter, daughter wasn't it? correct? Right, okay. and she also played, uh, if you're not familiar with that, Sabrina Spellman in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, so she's quite a well-known face, and is one of those actors who's growing up and carving out quite a career by the look of it okay so but yeah i mean it looks fun um yes we should point out you know this you sort of mentioned it there but it is a com this is a comedy horror yeah comedy Um, horror yeah so you know far more up for that than i would be a normal horror so i might watch this one i have heard that there's been many a horror that that ended up being a comedy horror but not by design yeah yeah yeah. um But, but some of the lines look quite funny and as i said she bumps into her mother and it, it, it does make you think of... Uh, I mean, I think I termed it Back to the Future meets Halloween. That seems to be more or less where we're going with this. Okay. So, you know, I, uh, I reckon that's probably the easiest way to describe it. Okay. I mean, it, it does... be fun. It does... Sa- when you first started describing it, I thought, oh, great. And then when go. you said about the time travel element... Yeah. That, that suddenly makes it sound fun and, and original. I can imagine them pitching it to an executive along those lines, you know, yeah. and, and comparing the two movies. And uh, and we've got Sally from Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a plonker in the lead role. And I noticed as well, one of the cast members there, Julie Bowen, uh, she is the she was the mum in Modern Family for many years. Oh, so right. Yeah. That's what made me think, oh, it must be a comedy then, because she's, pre- she's predominantly known yeah, for, for comedic yeah. roles. You see, you're always good. You spot out those supporting cast members and you always know something they've been in. <laughs> So it's very good off the top of your head. I have no life. And I, just, just <laughs> I was watch. not going. I was not going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just praising you for your your research. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm very popular in a pub quiz, but nowhere else in life. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, Julie Bowen uh, yeah, played to my world. Yeah. Played, uh, Claire Dunphy, uh, who was one of the main. Ah, main right. It was her and Sophia Vergara were the main sort of adult women in Modern Family. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm aware of it, but not familiar right. with it. So it's not really it's gone over my head a bit that program, but I am aware uh, of it. Oh, yeah. you you've got. A look it out is it good oh it's, oh, right. you will love it and I'll it's it funny out. and it's heartwarming and also it's not kind of it, it is in a way one story over 11 years but also you could just dip into any episode and oh, the humor helps. is instantly yeah. accessible because I, I think i suspect i might not have time to watch 11 years worth no but but it's the sort of thing where they they <laughs> do do they pay sort of tribute to the fans who have because they throw little things in that would be something ah, from it right. and it's sometimes it's very cleverly done how they they do that but you could watch any one episode from any number of the the, the years of the series and you just enjoy it it's a bit like like friends you know I was friends say it's just like friends yeah because friends in a way yeah. has a has an overarching story to it you know ross and rachel and 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 you know all yeah. of that and and other 
bits that are run throughout it. But normally you can just sit down and watch an episode too. Yes, yeah, so well. it doesn't matter what season it's from, really. The yeah. characters are a bit older, a bit more grown yeah. up, but yeah. that's it. But yeah. but you can yeah. watch it and enjoy it for, for what it is, and, and that's exactly yeah. what it is. But Modern Family does it all in the style of a of a mockumentary. So it's not a ah. not a traditional sitcom. There's no studio audience, it's not that kind of thing. It's 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 done very differently. Uh, and there's lots of bits where you know, just like in the office where they're then talking to camera and, oh, and, right. and or sometimes looking at the camera and like rolling their eyes. Riley. Or, yeah, <laughs> so so it's 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 yeah, it's done in a in a very different style, but it's really, really good. I would thoroughly recommend I it. I must check it out then after that recommendation, yeah. definitely. Okay, but anyway, so so she, uh, Julie Bowen from Modern Family is in this movie uh, and it's totally killer and it's on Prime Movies out on the 6th of October. But then there are two movies. No, sorry, there's not. I, my mistake. Two movies in total, one to go. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. there we go. Good, so good there rescue. Rescued. Uh, uh, tell us about <laughs> the one movie from Netflix. Fair play, mate. Yeah, it's called Fair Play. <laughs> and this one, I have seen a little bit of advanced hype on. It looks quite good. Um, not seen it yet, obviously, because it's only just coming out. But it's about what happens in a financial firm, cutthroat sort of financial firm, when two employees start a well, I guess a love affair or an affair, they start seeing each other. And I, I don't know if they have to keep it secret because these days you would normally not admit you were seeing someone at work, but they don't make that terribly clear in the in the trailer. But what does happen is their relationship begins to sour and get very sinister because of power dynamics shifting in the relationship. And it's all to do with promotions and who gets the big promotion and who doesn't. And the fact you have to be pretty ruthless in that world anyway. So it's a, a, a feature debut of a writer-director called Chloe Domant, and it stars Phoebe Dinever and Alden, is it Aaron Reich? I may, I hope I pronounced that correctly, but um, so sue me if I haven't. But uh, anyway. And they, he, was, they, he was the guy who played the young Han Solo in the Solo Star Wars movie you by see, Ron Howard. Done, you've done it again. Well done, you see. <laughs> this is why you're good at pub quizzes. He was also in Hail Caesar, <laughs> um, the Coen Brothers movie as well. Oh, uh, right. He, he was the the young actor that couldn't pronounce something and there's this very funny scene with Ray Fiennes and him just repeating the same line over and over and, and over again. getting it wrong. Yeah, well, I feel wrong. better for not necessarily pronouncing his surname correctly than in yeah. that case because, you know... I mean, it, you it, might it get it right, a, actually. It looks like it would be yeah, Evan Wright. I think so, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah. yes, he played... And, and there's a rather famous clip that went viral of him being sat in a chair being interviewed by by somebody about his playing Han Solo and then Harrison Ford walks in in the background and doesn't te- they don't tell him he's there and oh, then he brilliant. comes up behind him and he just goes get out of my seat oh that's hilarious yeah <laughs> you're probably surprised he didn't have the word kid yeah we're used to he might, Skywalker, might have done but yeah <laughs> brilliant uh, so uh, yeah it was uh, but that's that's Alden Aaron Reich but yeah this. So yeah, the, the thing you mentioned about like relationships in the workplace, I've yeah. I've just been watching the Morning Show, the, oh, the yes. Apple uh-huh. TV series, which is absolutely <clears throat> st- stunning. It's wonderful. Is that the Jennifer Aniston? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've really got good. Apple TV, so I haven't uh, seen any of it, but I've I've heard she's good in that. No, it's very good, and it's 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 won a lot of Emmys, and it's had lots of oh. Emmy nominations for for various actors in it. Um, Billy Crudup is in it, and he's, oh, yeah, he's incredibly good. good. Yeah, uh, John Hamm from Mad Men, who we just oh, mentioned, yes, is yes. now in it yeah. as well, and and it's got. Juliana Margulies, who was in The Good Wife and in ER, right. mm-hmm. uh, and she, she's now in it. And Reese Witherspoon and, and uh, Jennifer Aniston are the two main stars. Steve Carell was was in it as well to begin with, uh, and, and yeah, it's so good. But um, if you've got Apple TV, do look it out. Uh, it is yeah, well, that's worth it. the one thing I've got. So I don't know about you, but the streaming services, I've got a couple of them, 
and I think anymore it starts getting get, quite hard to justify to you know um, do you know what I think we all need to be more ruthless we need to sit down and look at it because there's this whole thing about they play on the the, 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 the subscribing services play on the fact that we have this FOMO and if we yes. subscribe to something and then we unsubscribe we're going to miss something oh, absolutely but we don't because <laughs> if you then resubscribe later on it remembers you and it knows oh. what you watched before and you, and you you could just pick up right where you left off because I realised that there's one streaming service I haven't watched for a few months and so I thought why am I doing this why yeah, am I so yeah, I just I cancelled yeah. it yesterday I went back and did it again I thought no 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 because there's a couple of things I wanted to watch that were only on this particular yeah. streaming service yeah, I get that every now and again resubscribed yeah. and not only did they give me a better offer for the next three months so it's cheaper than it would have been before yeah. but I, I noticed that all my settings and all my favourites they yeah. all still there and so as soon as I've watched the two series I'm going to watch, I'll cancel it. Oh, yeah. I've done that before because I, I like watching things like Game of Thrones and I like watching Succession, first couple of seasons of Succession. It's but I dipped into same, it and it's then the cancelled and then service back It's very easy to, to, to go in and out of. Yeah. See, loyalty just costs. Yeah. <laughs> so it is worth, you know, it's worth looking at that. But but in the morning show, sorry, but yeah, yeah. digressing greatly, but the, the part of the whole premise in it is about relationships in the in the workplace uh, and how it would seem the culture is very much at least depicted in the morning show the culture in America, in America as well is very much that if you if you wanted to date a colleague you've got to go to HR and you've got to ask them if it's okay and yeah, you've got to there's probably so many, leave and it takes one of you and it, well, or, well or at least HR have got to sign off on it ah. and um, and it seems like it's it's the, the spontaneity Oh. would be would be gone but but maybe there's good reason for it because yeah. of the, the the dynamics of you know a boss dating somebody if it's somebody that's slightly senior to somebody slightly junior yeah. that's so very a, much a case so i'm not going to go into detail because for obvious reasons we can't afford to be sued but the newspapers are commenting on a case this week about a big boss who went and the allegation is that he had numerous relationships and some of those people got promoted probably rightly Possibly not, but the power dynamic is obviously something that they're commenting yeah. on a lot at the moment. So it's tricky. So this movie yeah. seems to be set within that that world. Yes, and <clears throat> um, and yeah, it's it, well, this so it's, relationship implodes because of it. I think, yeah. by the look of it, and it's it's um, listed here as a drama mystery thriller, which uh, which okay. sounds makes it sound intriguing. Yeah, uh, but uh, but there you go. That's I thought it looked good, so I'm going to check it out. That's the movie Fair Play, Indeed. which is out on. Uh, uh, one of the Netflix wasn't it yes that was Netflix and that's out on the 6th of October The Film Guide with Howard Linsky part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith this is the point in the show where we find another film that Howard Linsky a highly acclaimed local author of note has deemed too good to be forgotten you started giggling there I was trying to suppress the giggles <laughs> do, you, do you find it funny you, when people you outed me praise your um <laughs> Praise your writing. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, it's, it's all fiction. So, you know, and I've obviously written it down on a card and I insist you say it. So you know, I was just a little embarrassed by that. But, okay. Uh, you know, there you go. No, no, no. It's, uh, uh, you know, yeah. you, should, you shouldn't be embarrassed at all. You know, you've, you've written some very good books. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you've written loads of books line. and some of them are very good. And some of them are average and some of them are terrible, but, you know. <laughs> and if you ever want to find Howard Linsky's work, you know, it, they are, it's all carefully curated in that in that bargain bin in, yep. in the works. Like I have a special yeah. bin just for me. It's like nine for nine. 99p or something one. isn't it yeah. yeah you can you can get most of howard's work from there yeah they had to increase the price because the cost of living yeah. issues you know <laughs> nine for nine p <laughs> it's catchy that oh, it is, isn't it? it's a good uh, offer anyway let's nine, look nine, at nine. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, let's look at uh, the film that howard has deemed too good to be forgotten yeah okay i'll do what i always do i'll ask you if, if you've seen it and it's called europa report i don't believe i have uh-huh. um 
Do you find that with movies sometimes the, the title isn't enough to actually tell you? If, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I don't think this I one isn't it. a very brilliant title to be honest. You wrote a report, so I've had to look at oh. who's in it, yeah. and you I won't d- recognise many names in there. Michael Neukvist, yeah, I recognised, but yeah, he know. was the guy from the original um, Stieg Larsson adaptations, wasn't he? The Swedish version, yes. Before Daniel Craig did that's the right. Girl of the Ground, <coughs> yes, tattoo. he was. Yeah, he played the character. That but I, I, I'm not. I mean, again, you'll surprise me probably Charlotte by plucking Cochran a name. I recognise. Yeah, okay, there you go. There's one. But um, I didn't recognise any of the and others. And Beth Davids. Right. Who who was the lead um, act, lead female actor in um, Evil Dead Three? <laughs> That's why I missed her career. Army of Darkness is a wonderful movie. Is you it? must have oh, seen right. that. Well, one. I don't know. I've not seen that. Oh man, it's so good. It's again, it's just the whole horror, horror. Sorry, not horror. Whole yeah. horror genre that no. passes she, me by. And she was also in. Um, she's done a lot of TV work. She was in. Uh, I think it was Californication with David Duchovny oh, yeah. for a while. Yeah, and also that. recently, she was in The Morning Show playing Steve Carell's wife. Oh, right there, we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, but uh, but those are the names that I recognise. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, this is. A oh, little- Isaiah Whitlock Jr. I recognise his face now. You, you ever watched The Wire? Yes, yes. Right, hang on a minute. I'm going to have to mute, mute the mics maybe, but he's the one who used to go. I know the fellow you mean. Yeah, yeah. He used to make that one swear word take like five he minutes did. to say, he, didn't he? elongated it. Yeah. And there's a fantastic court scene with his character where he's up for being corrupt and, and taking cash and whatever you, and he tries to convince the jury with some aplomb that he walks down the street and just hands out money to people when they're in trouble. And uh, I apologise that I didn't get a receipt. And he's amazing in that. And uh, when he's acquitted, the guy prosecuting him looks at his assistant and goes, what just happened? You know, it's just a bravo, a performance. So, yes, I did not realise that was the same fella. Yeah, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Oh, very good. Yeah. So well, anyway, yeah, tell us about, tell um, about the movie. You wrote yeah. a report then. I've so not seen this. This, I'd sort of, oh, it's on Netflix and I found it and I thought I'd give this a go. It looks quite good. The reviews were complimentary and it basically summed it up as a kind of um, more realistic version of something like Alien. As in, we know Alien, I love that movie, but, but it's very much a kind of thriller movie from Hollywood. This is, um, it's classed as a found footage film where they look back on footage of a crew who blast off into space and they're going to uh, be the first crewed mission to Europa, which is one of the four moons of Jupiter, because they think there might be life on there. And they, the, the whole movie really is about how they deal with the things that go wrong on that mission, how they interact, bond, and sometimes quarrel, and face really quite terrifying obstacles, you know, and, and because of the mission, they keep going. And it was really, I, I thought it was really impactful and um, and an interesting movie. It's quite dark, so if you don't like dark stuff, then maybe not for you. But it shows that what people in space risk every time they go up, you know, whether they do a space walk or land on a surface. And in this particular case, they're landing on something no one's ever landed on before. And um, it's quite chilling, so it has a slightly horror feel to it at times. But um, yeah, a good one. A little little late night gem that I tuned into and carried on watching in one go. Okay. Um- I found some interesting connections here that, that well, I, I think they're interesting. Probably no one else will. Uh, so I'll be M. fascinated. M. Beth Davids, so I just mentioned. Oh, yeah. She was in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the Daniel ah. Craig version. She was also in Mad Men. So things oh, right. we've been mentioning yeah, earlier, yeah. there are all these connections. There's degrees of separation, yeah, I used yeah. to say. In Mad Men, yeah. she played um, a character. She was in eight episodes of it. So she was obviously, a, I can't, it says here, Rebecca Price. Oh, well, she that was, rings a bell. Was she, she the teacher? Was, no, was she oh. the wife of... Um, the guy who was in it 
Oh, oh Pete. No. Pete's uh, wife? No. No. Oh. Who was the, the English guy who was in it? Um, oh, yes. And um, it, I, I Jared Harris? Yes. Yeah. That was it. Richard Harris's son, wasn't it? He was yeah. in it for a while. Yeah, he's and great. I think, and I think she played his wife. Oh right. Um, so uh, yeah, she often plays English people. She, I think she's from South Africa, and she she kind of has an English, very was, English sounding voice. He was terrific in that, and it was the first time I really worked out who he was. Yeah, and you know he's been great in everything I've seen him in since. He's got a real presence, I think, on screen. Right, very very good. But uh, yeah, so that that that's who that is. Uh, yeah, not that it really matters. But oh, I don't know. We I like going off on tangents with you. It's like sitting in a pub chatting about you know whatever springs to mind. In this case, film. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so that's Europa Report. Check it out. Okay. See if you agree with me or not. And and dear listener, I, I must say, I often go back after we've recorded these uh, these shows with Howard, and I do look out the film that he's mentioned, and time and again, I'm not disappointed. Oh, that's good to know. So, um, you know, Howard Howard does recommend some very good movies in in particularly in the Too Good to Be Forgotten feature. So, do check out uh, that that movie Europa Report. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time to look at the films that highly acclaimed local author of note Harold Linsky has deemed uh, worthy of our attention for the forthcoming week. These are the best films, in Howard's opinion, that are on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We start off with uh, Friday the 6th of October, 10pm on Channel 5, The Fugitive. Yeah, it's a bit of a classic. It's 30 years ago now, this. And this was a a remake back then of the TV series. But um, I think most people will have forgotten the TV series by now. Uh, But this one is the Harrison Ford movie which is remembered partially for him being the lead role and also for Tommy Lee Jones being his nemesis. I think it was the one that took Tommy Lee Jones as an actor from being someone you recognised as someone who was in an awful lot of movies for the next 10 years, largely playing a similar sort of gruff uh, persona, um, which he kind of nailed in this movie. So he was the guy who, you know, when Harrison Ford said, I'm innocent, he said, I don't care, you know. This film, I think, um, certainly elevated Tommy Lee Jones. But I I would argue that the year before, Under Siege was the first film that made people really realise. I forgot he was in that. He was the villain in Under Under Siege. And I thought he was so good. That was one of the very few Steven Seagal movies that actually was a cinematic movie in this country. And it was a hit. And it was a big hit. It was actually quite good, surprisingly. Yeah, and and he, and and not, well, I think mainly because of Tommy Lee Jones. He was so good in I'd forgotten he was the villain in yeah. yeah. And, and then he goes from, from starring with Steven Seagal action hero to co-starring with Harrison Ford who yeah. at the time was, was massive box office he was and carried the movie as the star but I think Tommy Lee Jones stole a few scenes along I the way he, you know? I think he stole every scene he was in yeah. and, and I think that's, that's quite a, a, a task with Harrison Ford who I think he's one of the greatest Absolutely. cinema actors of our, of our time yeah and talking of scene stealers, our, one of our favourites is in it as well, Joe Pantoliano, who we were just raving about because of Bound, yes. which was one of our Too Good to Be Forgotten's from previous months, so recently. Um, so he's in it as well. Yeah. So the whole plot is about um, Dr. Richard Kimball, who is a surgeon, and he's framed for the murder of his wife, and he escapes from custody following a bus crash. 
and he sets out to find the real killer as all um, you know people who have been wrongly uh, sentenced do when they, when they break out uh, but this being one of the more famous versions of that so a police um, and US marshal team is after him and pursue him and that, that is the gist of it and I, I don't think I've actually seen it since it was out in the cinema when I saw it back in 93 but I, I remember it was very good I think, he's, I, think so, I, yeah. I got a feeling I've seen it more than once but yeah but it's probably been a very long time since I saw it as well. It, it is wonderful. Tommy Lee Jones is wonderful. Harrison Ford, though, is very good, but you can often overlook that because he's, he is very good in everything he does. Yeah, and Even he's if the very films much, aren't very good, he's very good. He's very much the leading man, so he doesn't deliver perhaps the memorable, quippy lines that Tommy Lee Jones does in this movie, and uh, he's, he whips up a storm, chews the scenery kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, Harrison Ford's solidly good. He's a bit like Tom Cruise. He's yeah. usually good in everything you, you yeah. plonk him in, whether he you like the movie or not. I think he often plays a similar kind of character, yeah. much like Tom Cruise. Big movie stars often do, don't they? Yeah, you know, yeah but they know they're, what they're good at. They're a personification, yeah. and it's them. And that's what people want them to do. They, <laughs> yes, they're hired is. to do their thing, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and he does, and he does it with aplomb. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones as well, uh, another interesting fact is, so he won the Oscar for this. He, he won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. The film was nominated for Best Picture, which also gives you an idea of how good the movie is, I think. But uh, but he went on to appear in a sequel to this, which oh. which I think I've now found a film that you've yes, really I forgot. did not know that. So or, so or he, if I'd forgotten about it if I didn't ever know about it. So yeah. he went on to star in a film called U.S. Marshals a couple of years oh, later. I didn't know that was a sequel to which the where he plays right. the same character. Oh. Uh, uh, but there's a different fugitive that he's hunting down this time, right. who's played by Wesley Snipes. And part of his team, part of um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones's team, because he had a team in the first one as well, although I don't think it's all the same actors, but, but one of them was Robert Downey Jr., oh. who, who was, who was uh, a supporting actor in U.S. Marshals. Sadly, nowhere near as good as The Fugitive, but yeah. Tommy Lee Jones is back playing that character. And it's probably a film that's been largely forgotten in history, which, which is a little bit surprising, given how it was the part that won him an Oscar in another movie yeah I guess the title didn't help it wasn't The Fugitive 2 or The Fugitive follow up or what have you or well, I'm not I, The Fugitive <laughs> I imagine that that might have been part of the reason why they went in a yeah. different direction perhaps they it was 1998 so that's what five years five after years later, yeah. after the, that one but yes it was called mm. US Marshals and it was Tommy Lee Jones Wesley Snipes and Robert Downey Jr wow. uh, and, uh, and yeah it was similar ground Right. Um, it was, yeah, U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard and his team of marshals are assigned to track down Sheridan, who has been accused of a double murder. And once again, we are told he's innocent. Oh, well. And yeah. once again, Tommy Lee Jones just doesn't care. He doesn't care, care. yeah. Because that's yeah. not what his job is. And Joe Pantoliano was in it again. Oh, so he's back so he's from the other no, one. He's coming back, yeah. Uh, I d- maybe some of the other supporting characters might be. But also, just in on the list, Chisholm from Minder. Patrick Malahide is in oh, it, right. <laughs> okay. Who, who's gone on to have a bit of a Hollywood career. He has uh, been in some other movies. I must admit, was it, I'm, I'm going to offend the listeners, but I wasn't a big fan of Minder. I, what? Just, I didn't even watch it, really. I would have thought I was that aware was of it, but, completely you know, in the middle of your ballpark. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can only defend myself at the time, thinking if it was on a Friday night, I was probably down the pub in my youth. So I, I missed a lot of stuff. Weirdly, I missed most of our feeders in Pet, because it often aired on a Friday night. And yet everybody thinks... From where I'm from, I must be an absolute. You because know, you like things like the Sweeney and Get yeah, I thought Carter Sweeney was those. grittier. Yeah. to be honest. Well, yeah. So Minder was yeah. lighter, a little bit lighter, but yeah. it was set in the same sort of world. It was yeah. a, a, a grimy London, and, and in the underworld of, of a grimy London. Yeah. I'm not even sure why I wasn't a big fan of it. It's not like I hated it; I just yeah. didn't watch it. Certainly, the earlier really? episodes were a little grittier. Yeah, and, and then as it went on, they realised how funny it was, and they made more of the. Yeah, that's possibly why I didn't like it. It's sort of 
camping up the comedy element. I think the final series with Dennis Waterman, he didn't hit anyone. Oh, and wow. I think that was part of his reason then he, he quit. And <laughs> then they replaced him with, with um, a new oh, I'd minder. I'd forgotten there was a new guy. Yeah. Yes, there was, wasn't there? And, and it, it had a resurgence in the ratings with the new minder oh. um, because they made him a little grittier. Yeah. And he turned out to be the nephew of Arthur Daly. And, oh. and he would go around punching people and stuff. Um, oh, and, right. and it ran for another three or four years. You bring back the violence for no apparent reason and <laughs> everyone loves it. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, kept the, they did keep the comedy. Because uh, yeah. Arthur Daly, George Cole played a wonderful character I, there. I think it was that his character that I wasn't so much drawn to. But I, I, I can also say that, as usual, I'm at odds with most of the world. There's quite a lot of really popular stuff that I kind of go... I don't really get that. So it's me, not the rest of the world, clearly. I, I, I suspect you know, if you were to me. sit and watch an episode, you would probably, well, if it was a good one of the good ones, yeah, you'd probably, probably be very impressed with the writing and you'd think, wow, that's actually quite clever. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you'd find it quite funny. Uh, maybe I just saw a couple of duff ones and didn't watch it again. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, but, uh, but anyway... <laughs> Gone from Minder. Yes, yeah, so we end up on Minder from the Fugitive. But, we are uh, back on track because I mentioned Tom Cruise a few minutes ago and he figures in the next movie. Okay, so and yeah, j- j- just <clears> to <throat> recap then for the listener if they're still with us, um, yeah, The Fugitive, 10 pm, Channel 5, Friday the 6th of October. The Tom Cruise movie that, that we're talking about is on Saturday the 7th of October, 11.05 pm on Channel 4, and it is Minority Report, which um, again was cropped up a few times in the past. <clears throat> either because it's been on telly and we've talked about it before months ago or just generally because we go off on a Tom Cruise tangent and we talk about his other stuff and it has and Max, really like Max von Sydow yeah. who we mentioned earlier from exactly. The Exorcist it all links doesn't it it does and this one's a very good one because largely because it's based on source material originally by Philip K. Dick who you know did uh, well, because it did Blade Runner, but he did do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which was turned into Blade Runner. He did Runner. so many really yeah. cool sci-fi Total movies. Total Recall. Yeah. Another one. And that, that's got an, a, a, like the um, Blade Runner, it has a, a better title as a book, which was We'll Remember It For You Wholesale, which is a classic title. Yeah. Uh, but this was based on, I think, a quite originally a short story of his, but I may be wrong about that. But anyway, it's set in uh, the year 2054, where they have a specialised police department called Pre-Crime. And you could get arrested because of foreknowledge of the crime you are about to commit. And that is because uh, the precogs, who were three psychics in that, uh, who just lie there all day, <laughs> sort of um, having nightmares about people about to commit murder, will tip off the police who arrive in time to arrest you before you plunge the knife in or fire the gun. And it's, it's a great idea. Um, and it, it leads to discussion about, well, w- w- were they definitely going to, stab their wife or shoot their think, husband or I whatever. I think great you know, sci-fi often idea. does that. It often it poses <clears throat> these sorts of moral dilemmas. Um, yeah. I, I watched um, <clears throat> I watched a Star Trek episode from a, one of the Star Trek spin-off series recently and it featured how two of the characters got somehow m- merged together in the oh, transporter right. and created a character that was actually a cross of both of them oh, okay. and and by the end of the episode they worked out oh yeah we found a way now of separating you we can put you back to how you should be as back as two people and the the, the character sort of said but I don't want to be oh. I'm a you know I am now a new life form and I want to be who I am and, oh, okay. and I like the fact that I'm elements of that person and that person and and at the end, the captain faced this almighty dilemma. Did she? Yeah. What, he, what did, did she do? Yeah, yeah. and and she um, and she just, just didn't really think about it very hard. She just tore them apart. I was going to oh, tore but, them apart. Yeah, yeah. Be created two new people. Well, so they created two. New, they they, they back went back to, to their original returned people, them back yeah. to their original people. And yeah. and it, the episode got slated, and for years afterwards, like fans have been saying quite how 
quickly she just decided to kill this person who had oh, said this new being yeah, yeah who said wow. i don't want this to be done to me please i i oh, wow. you know i can't help what happened but now i am both of those people i which has become a new person and i yeah. don't and it's one of these but great theoretically killed them both well she, ki- she killed the new person no what i mean is the theoretically his the new person killed the other two because, well yeah but he know. was saying it wasn't his fault and it already yeah. happened and and now he she was just like don't care yeah but yeah and she very, and, and then it was never referred to again in oh any future episode and it was <laughs> i'd have nightmares for yeah. years and, and it, it was one that. of those things morally <clears throat> and apparently in interviews and things the the woman who played the captain she has often said do you know what i really struggled with that because i felt yeah. the writers came <clears throat> very quickly just said no that's it you know and she probably and, gets hit mill well yeah she yeah. said she kind of did and she oh, just said it was uh, yeah Oh, well. Well, sorry, before I forget as well, the other thing to say about Minority Report, rather like The Fugitive, um, so Tom Cruise's character is the pre-crime chief, and he is accused of murder or frame for it or whatever. Oh, yeah, he's been So he goes on the run. So we have another. I didn't realise when I selected it, but they have a similar theme. And he's like, innocent, but you know what? They don't care. No. They keep coming for him anyway. Colin Farrell, isn't it? It's the guy. Colin Farrell, yes. But yes, I love that. Actually, that's probably the movie that launched him. In Hollywood, at least, you know, you I mean he obviously did TV over here. Yeah, and, uh, but starring alongside Tom Cruise in a big Spielberg movie <coughs> yeah. would have would that's, have certainly helped, wouldn't it's it? It's not a bad audition. Wouldn't have for the helped rest him of back. Career. Yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, that whole thing of if you haven't actually committed the crime, yeah. are you therefore guilty of it? You know, is it right? Is it right yeah. that you could? Because it almost goes back to that whole thing about if you had a time machine and would you go back and kill Hitler? Yeah. You know, that sort of dilemma that people debate and discuss. Of course. You yeah. Know, it, you know, so I, I don't know. It's it's all... I know that's not quite the same thing, but... No, but it opens the same uh, yeah. level of thinking about yeah. the moral yeah. implications of these things. Yeah. And um, oh, the other uh, separation element, you know, we keep talking about things that are linked, is that Colin Farrell ended up doing the rebooted Total Recall yes I didn't think that was that great but I think mainly because I'd seen the first one and loved it way back in the day when those special effects were considered quite radical so this is probably about 1990 I think do you know what I loved I loved both of them (coughs) did you but somehow I was able to not see them as the same movie and so I enjoyed them for what they were because yeah. I read somewhere that, that the Colin Farrell one wasn't a remake of the 1990s one. It was a re-adaptation of the book was oh, how they saw it. Yeah. And they picked up different elements I, I from think, the book. You know, without panning it too badly, I think sometimes you just watch a movie and you're either a bit tired or you're not in the right mood. And yeah. so I, I guess I could watch that again and probably feel in a quite different differently about mind, it. Yeah. It might feel different. You never know. Indeed. But anyway, Minority Report as well looked, I thought the look of it was... was yeah, Spielberg's great. stuff looks great. He, he knows how to put yeah. things on screen. But the, the the future doesn't now, like a lot of movies where the future looks dated now, it yeah. doesn't look dated. He, he did it in a well, way. He, he did a lot of research with scientists, apparently, to come up with things that were likely to happen. Yeah. And there's a, that great scene where Tom Cruise walks into a shopping centre and everyone's shouting at him, advertising yeah. slogans and you know do you want some nike and all yeah. that kind of thing. we're not far away from that because every time i open the computer up pops these things yeah. that have you yeah. know do you want to buy a sofa not yeah. really i bought one last week could you please stop asking me <laughs> and and his sort of virtual reality controls where he was able yeah. to sort of things that popped up yes and he could move. that was another that, one we move things around with that exists now exactly. you know that, you that sort of tech your screen with your hand and everything it's yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. um so th- this stuff is you know rooted in reality and it looked good and and i think it would take a while before it would look dated i I think spielberg came up with a very good look for the movie that that you completely bought into this futuristic world yes 
so uh, agreed yeah. yeah so that's minority report 11:05 p.m on channel 4 saturday the 7th of october let's move to sunday the 8th of october and a film that has it's confusingly has oh, kind of more than one yes. title over here it was known as le mans 66 but it was yes. known internationally as ford, versus, ford ferrari. versus ferrari so it's all about the real story but the, the complications with the title um, when I, uh, to check my notes and make sure I got the facts right, I went on wiki, good old wiki, and you can't find Le Mans 66. You have to key in as Ford versus Ferrari. So, uh, And then underneath it says alternatively called it in certain European countries. Yeah. So that doesn't help. It's the when same on IMDb. The the, it's, it's on IMDb as Ford yeah. versus Ferrari because that was its American title. And I think people are going to get confused by that. Because oh, I saw a great movie the other day. Have you seen it? No. You, you might well have done. Anyway. I digress again. It's an American biographical sports drama film directed by James Mangold, written by Jez Butterworth, who is obviously a friend of this podcast. He must be. Yeah. You know, isn't he the local lad? Yeah, oh, he's f- he was, yeah, he was from Holdens. St. Albans. Yeah. And, and he and Jez... He's written a lot of great stuff. Yeah, well, yeah and uh, they both did, I think... They did the Indiana Jones film recently. Ah, James right. Mangold directed it, and Jez Butterworth well, we, was one given of the Jez writers. Butterworth so many complimentary shout-outs. I'm sure he tunes in regularly. He did a couple of Daniel Craig's Bond <clears throat> movies as well. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. And with his brother John Henry Butterworth, oh, they both it? were involved with the writing. Wow! So if you see a movie he hasn't written, do you say, "I can't believe it's not Butterworth"? He also wrote. Edge, I'll move on from that. He also wrote Edge of Tomorrow, which oh, I love uh, that. Tom Cruise futuristic thing. Very thing. Good. Another Tom a Cruise like sci-fi. We just talked about. He does pick a good sci-fi yeah. movie. Tom yeah, yeah. He wrote uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. He wrote Spectre <coughs> as well. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, moderately he, successful then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. he's he, doing all right. Yeah, local boy's done well. He's done all right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this one uh, stars Matt Damon, so it's not got Tom Cruise in it, uh, and Christian Bale. And it's all about uh, the true story of when Ford kind of went, damn it, we're going to have to eclipse Ferrari because Ferrari were winning everything. This is back in the 60s. They were winning the Le Mans uh, famous race every year. And I think at one point the Ford exec, top guy, Henry Ford II or whoever it was, I think it was Henry Ford II at the time, felt slighted by the guy running Ferrari and just went, you know what, we're going to sort this out. We're going to bring all of the Ford money and know-how and we're going to come up with a car that can beat Ferrari because they hopelessly failed initially to do that um, but then they got Carol Shelby who is a confusingly named um, legendary American uh, bloke not Carol as in a girl so Carol with a double L and his British driver shout out for Ken Miles so they're hired by Henry Ford II and Lee Iacocca to build a race car from scratch to, to try and thump um, Ferrari and they go to the 24 hour race at Le Mans in 66 and proceed to take them on and it's it's very good um, I suppose like all sporting movies what really matters is the characters and their motivation and what they've got to lose and what they've got to gain and you, you get kind of caught up in it it's really um, well acted with that cast I mean Christian Bale and Matt Damon are always good aren't they mm. James much. Mangold's a very good director he also mm. did uh, Logan the, the oh, final um, yeah. X-Men movie of uh, featuring... Yes, an ageing uh, Logan. Yeah. yeah. That was good. Although yeah. it turns out it's not the final one featuring him, is it? Because oh. I think he's coming... Hasn't he filmed a cameo for Deadpool 3 or I, something like that? I must admit, whenever they say it's the final thing in a franchise, I never take it terribly seriously. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, whatever. they've done more X-Men movies yeah, since yeah. that one, but that was supposed even, to be the final one featuring... Um, yeah, but like I said... What's he called? Oh, you know. big old fella. Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name now. Why is it, Yeah, why is his name suddenly gone? That's, <laughs> I believe we're doing a movie podcast 
Newcastle. I can't remember the Wolverine guy. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I could visualise him with his beard and his yeah, you know, his claws. muscles and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway, then this is. Um, I, I guess it's because it's a similar setting, but this reminds me as well of the other car movie that came out a couple of years before it, Rush. But oh, that yeah. was set in the seventies, wasn't it? It's and a that featured movie. two James um, Nicky Lauder. But it was getting set in the world of Formula One, wasn't it? Yes. Um, but, yeah. And that was directed by Ron Howard, of course. Yes, and Ron Howard's direction—it can be a bit hit and miss sometimes. But I think he absolutely nailed that one. It was a really—I mean, I knew the story. I grew up. You know, I was about ten years old when that one happened. So I'm that elderly. Oh, come but on. you remember the other one? Yeah. All right. All right. Don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than Mark O'Kane. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I digress again. But the, the Hunt Louder story, I thought it was really well represented, and that was an amazing story. Louder getting back in the car just a few weeks after being horribly burned mm. in, a, in the same car or you know the same racing vehicle. So yeah, and James Hunt uh, winning the world championship that year is a really good. So both those movies are well worth a watch. Okay, that's Ford versus Ferrari or Le Mans 66 is one or the other. Yeah, whichever. But, but, but yeah, Matt, Matt Damon, <laughs> Christian Bale, uh, directed by James Mangold. And that is your movie for uh, s- uh, Sunday, the 8th of October, 9pm on Film 4. Uh, we move to Monday, the 9th of October. And, and wow, this isn't like you at all to pick a, a World War II movie. Film. What can yeah. I say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is the, um, the, um, the masterpiece that is Torah, Torah, Torah yes. from yeah. 1970, 3.20pm on Film 4. I know I'd disappoint you if I didn't find at least one war movie to, to talk about. But this one is a very interesting one because although it depicts the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, which started American involvement in World War II, um, it also does relatively even-handedly showed the Japanese perspective as well, which is quite rare for 1970, I would have thought. So it's not as gung-ho as you might expect. Um, and it just shows the, what happened. And I, I haven't seen it for many years, but I remember it being pretty impressive. And it sort of ends with the, the, the realisation from the Japanese that although they've had a great victory and they've sunk some battleships because they crept up on Pearl Harbor without being spotted uh, and uh, you know bombed the heck out of the ships, they didn't get the aircraft carriers because the aircraft carriers weren't in harbour at the time. And the guy in charge of the um, Japanese fleet realises that he's just walking the beast but without actually you know, crippling um, the American Navy, which is what they wanted to do. So it foretells what is about to happen later. Do you have any thoughts on... You know, there's something of a conspiracy theory about the Pearl Harbour attack, which is that, that in fact, the Americans knew about it. And well, the, and and I gather this is quite this is a bit more than a conspiracy theory because it's actually been depicted in movies and, and TV yeah, programs I mean, and the like I, that I know they the knew and yeah. they want they didn't they let it carry on because they yeah. needed a reason to get into I World War Two. Staggering to to uh, air because of the obvious loss of life, so like two or three thousand sailors were killed and Marines as well and Army people. And you had all that damage, which they may not have ever recovered from, but obviously the industrial might of America managed them to do that. But the thing is, all you would need to show was they attacked you. So if they attack you and you annihilate them, that's enough to say, these guys attacked us, then you're in the war, aren't you? Yeah. In fact, Japan declared war. But there was a... So as usual, with conspiracy versus cock-up. I always lean toward cock-up, generally, you know, generally speaking, because there were a series of errors. So American intelligence said... We've had signals. There's going to be something big happening. Those are ignored. Uh, the raid, They picked them up on radar as they came flying over. But the, the guy in charge of the people who picked it up on radar went, oh, don't worry about that. It's probably nothing, which is <laughs> crazy. What's the point of having radar if you're going to do that? Um, 
And I just don't buy the idea that you would allow half your fleet to get destroyed and so many people be killed just so you could have an excuse to go to war. And the Japanese were meant to declare war half an hour before they attacked, apparently, but they, even that was messed up because signals that were sent weren't translated correctly. So it all was a complete cock-up from beginning to end. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, I get there's always some cynicism. There's always theories about... It, would you say this is a better adaptation of what happened than the Michael Bay movie Pearl Harbor? Do you know what? That that was pretty abysmal in parts, wasn't it? <laughs> it's one of the few you know, movies I only got part way through and I thought, oh, I've had nothing. Yeah, else. it really was quite awful. And yeah. uh, I do remember... I quite like Alec Baldwin usually, but I remember the end where... They obviously strike back the Americans at the, in real life at the end of Pearl Harbor by bombing uh, the Japanese mainland, and it was almost like a suicide mission. Some of them did get out, but obviously the idea was they couldn't fly back again because um, of fuel. They're going to run out of fuel when they launch from an aircraft carrier. So it was likely they were all going to die, and I remember Baldwin's speech at the end of that where he's like, and if I think I'm going to be taken, I'll just crash my plane into the nearest whatever it was target or whatever but that's just me you know that's how i roll kind of thing and i'm like oh my god i did persist with it but i don't know why we, we probably shouldn't say much more about alec Baldwin now for legal reasons well, but yes i'm not accusing him of anything on, relating to that that's no for sure. no mm-hmm. um anyway uh tora 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 won five oscars no less uh yeah. very very um uh, praiseworthy movie <coughs> you know known for its historical accuracy and its attention to detail uh, along with its visual effects and its action sequences, it says here. Indeed. And uh, that's on 3.20pm on Film 4 on Monday the 9th of October. That's a Sunday afternoon movie, surely. Yeah, definitely. Put it on a Monday it's a, afternoon. A, a rainy afternoon yeah. Yeah, on a Sunday. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to Tuesday uh, the 10th of October, 8pm on ITV4, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yes. which which now is slightly going to be sad, isn't it? Because of the terrible atrocity that happened on, on Adrian's oh, Wall with I that know. tree cut the down, slaughter. which features <clears throat> in this movie. It does. It's one of the reasons I selected it, actually, because it stood out. I thought, oh, yes, the, the tree that's been vandalised. And uh, although we're yet to find out the full reasoning behind that, the whispers have already begun, so we kind of know what what is likely to have happened there. But um, I'll, I'll just not say any more on that for legal reasons. But anyway, yes, it was in the movie, The Tree. And um, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, gosh, 1991. Doesn't seem that long ago. But and, and it was kind of panned a bit because Kevin Costner didn't have time finishing Dances with Wolves so late. He didn't have time to cultivate a British accent. So he sounds very American in this. But it's just fun. And apparently it's re- completely redubbed with his attempt at an English accent, uh, and he still sounds American. Oh, right. he, he redubbed the whole of the movie because he what? tried to do a better stab at the accent, but yeah, it just it maybe. just sounds like him normally. So kind of maybe don't bother, because it's yeah. just a bit of fun. I mean, like Robin Hood movies... Can we don't be... know how he would have sounded anyway. We don't know how he would have sounded. How Robin Hood would have sounded. We don't oh, I see Robin Hood. Would... I thought you meant Cosner. Oh, I was right. completely confused there. Sorry, I was no. like, sorry, yeah, I'm with you now. You know, it's for maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe there's an argument that they said, well, oh, they sounded like that. He, right, he'd right. have had a, presumably he'd have had a Nottingham accent. Well, I mean, yeah. Or you know, whatever, but with, with a slightly sort of medieval slant, you know, yeah. 12th century. So if you, uh, yeah, Nottingham words that no longer exist. But it's just fun. And one of the main reasons it's fun is Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. He is you know? absolutely <clears throat> deliciously I mean, evil in this, isn't he? It's one of the ones that cemented him long before Harry Potter as being a, yeah. a great supporting actor, stroke movie star. You know? well, one of the things that um, that I remember, the <clears throat> story 
doing the rounds at the time was that Kevin Costner was so annoyed with how good Alan Rickman was that that in the editing process he got very heavily involved and tried everything he could <laughs> to cut down Alan Rickman's part to 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 you know to, to sort Minimizes of favour Kevin okay, Costner. Yeah. I don't know how true that story is, but it was certainly a story doing the rounds at the time. Yeah, but but despite. Kevin Costner being slated for the movie and the movie receiving mixed reviews, it was the biggest film of the year. It was massive. Even the blooming theme tune that drove everybody potty was at number one for 16 weeks. weeks. Yeah. It's still not that great, but um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, but and in fact, that that song apparently almost didn't make the movie. They they oh. the movie the producers weren't that happy about it. No, it's not. They weird. didn't particularly like it. They only used it at the very end of the yeah. movie. It's not really something that's throughout the movie from no. memory. No, they, they, <coughs> there's no the musical no. bits that relate to the the movie at all. Yeah, yeah. Often with a with a song that's been specially made for a movie, you might have hints of it throughout the score th- recurring thing yeah. yes but no no none of that case, yeah uh, quick shout out for the other cast members by the way who were slightly overshadowed by Rickman but Morgan Freeman's not bad you know yeah. whatever happened to him uh, Christian Slate isn't it and Mary as Elizabeth Mastrantonio who was a big star in the 80s and 90s yeah so yeah did yeah. a lot of stuff yeah she's, she plays Marion and uh, I believe there's an unbilled cameo right at the end as well oh yes Sean Connery yes Sean Connery as, turns uh, up who, who did it? Who did it because he was a mate of Kevin Costner's after they did the oh. Untouchables together, and so agreed to do it. And, and probably was, for a set of golf clubs or something, yeah. you know. And and it was like I think it was sort of half a day's work for him or something. Yeah, but he probably he got paid a fortune. I think he rides in, says "Well done," and blesses their marriage, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to see this movie in the cinema, um, the there was actually a cheer when he came on stage. Yeah, yeah. Who came, came on the screen? You know, there were there were a load of people in the cinema who actually cheered, and and uh, it's very rare. I've ever been in the cinema where there's been any kind of spontaneity of that that nature wow you know no no sort sean of like connery round of applause or what have you but no no that when sean connery rode in there was a load of women who might have just been having the afternoon off work and were a little bit the worse yeah. aware but they all went Way! <laughs> oh, that's funny but i think kevin costner did okay in this he's all right i mean the accent obviously he just you know doesn't nail but it's Entertainment. It's not really meant to be a documentary, so you know. Mm. And I think it's, I think it's fun. It's the kind of thing you can watch with your kids. And mm. he does you know, it well. I, th- I thought he was good. You know, the the, the swashbuckling adventurer. Yeah. You know, the, the, he 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 pulled it off okay. He did he all right did. with it. And yeah. I think it's a bit unfair some of the criticism he's had for it. Yeah. Um. And it is. You know, it's the biggest film of the year, so he can't have been that bad in it. No, exactly. Yeah. So that's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Of course, always going to be overshadowed by Alan Rickman's star turn as the sheriff, but but a good movie with a good solid cast nonetheless. And that's um, uh, 8 p.m. on ITV4 on Tuesday, the 10th of October. Talking of Alan Rickman, yes. Wednesday, the 11th of October, 9 p.m. on ITV4. Absolutely. So um, Die Hard, which um, set him on his way. So if you know, the, I think those two movies back to back kind of enhanced his career over just a three year period. He went from being a theatre actor best known for Broadway and Royal Shakespeare Company productions, into Hollywood and got huge. And he's not the star of the movie, he's the villain of the movie. So oh, the but, star but, is Bruce Willis. But if, if if ever he could be accused of eclipsing someone you yeah. know, as, as he was in Robin Hood, he definitely did in this. He did. And I, I wonder if there was a probably a mixed reaction to him because <clears throat> although he's obviously gone on to do great things, I would imagine there are some lead actors who go, yeah, I don't really want to be 
working alongside that fella because he's you know he's going to get all the lines he's going to make sure that they're delivered brilliantly yeah he's going to steal the show oh yeah he he does kind of steal a bit of it and he absolutely does and there's a great picture of so that the a couple of years later john mctiernan who directed die hard did the last action hero with arnold schwarzenegger which is a really good movie quite underrated yeah yeah. and in that there is a an alan rickman-esque villain but portrayed by charles dance and there is a picture doing the rounds. If you Google this, you can find a picture of, of Charles Dance wearing a T-shirt on set saying, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. Oh, fabulous. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the, apparently he was quite okay with saying that, you know, they wanted Alan Rickman, they couldn't they afford him, him, so they went for Charles yeah, Dance because yeah. they knew he'd be cheaper. <laughs> Oh, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, Die Hard. And it, of course, you've mentioned as well here something that is often overlooked, but this is actually based on a novel. Yes, it is. Yeah. So it was written by a police officer, former police detective. Um, so I guess that, that explains why, you know, the, the hero is a policeman. And um, there's quite a long, it's for another time, the discussion was quite a long story about the guy who wrote the script. And um, he, some of it was based on the fact that he almost crashed his car after a round with his wife and he realised that he could have been killed and he would have left, you know, her uh, on on bad terms. So he, part of the theme of this book, when you, sorry, not the book, the film, when the script was developed is about the fact that this guy is um, a, a man who's made mistakes he's messed up his marriage he's trying to sort of repair the damage and also unlike virtually every action hero of the 80s he's not instructable he's not muscular particularly well he's not entirely without muscle he's a little but bit he's buff, not a Schwarzenegger yeah. or Stallone character or a Van Damme or a you no. know he's, he's more than every man guys. isn't he yeah yeah he's an every man exactly he's just a normal guy doing rather extraordinary things and okay, they're a little far-fetched, but it is a great, fun movie and one of the best action movies. And it's kind of very influential. Um, people used to call, you know, they'd say, well, we're going to make a new movie. It's Die Hard on a bus or it's Die Hard on a ship or whatever. Um, so I think it's still cited in meetings oh, yeah, to this yeah, day yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. You know, Absolute Die classic, Hard in space. Yeah. Classic movie, yes. <laughs> yeah, which was how it was described to me, um, uh, Star Trek First Contact. Oh, really? Was, and and in, in fact, at the end of it, the final part of the movie, you've got Patrick Stewart in a sweaty vest running along the corridors of the Enterprise with really? a massive gun. <laughs> Can't quite visualise him in but, that room. But it weirdly works. It's a, that's, a, that's a cracking movie. Oh, fantastic. But, but the, um, the, I'm, I'm fascinated by When I discovered that Die Hard was based on a book, I was, discover, <clears throat> I was fascinated to discover more about it yeah. and found out that it was the second book featuring the character. Yes, Sinatra starred in the first adaptation and they were contractually obliged to offer him Die Hard. Yeah. And he was 70. So, so Thankfully, the, he turned it down. The guy who wrote, who wrote it, he wrote the book The Detective, which was made in the Sinatra movie in the mid-60s. Yes. And, and it was quite a gap. And, and apparently he, he, in the, yes, so this book came out in the late 70s. And apparently he wrote the book after watching The Towering Inferno. Yes, correct. And then he fell asleep and had a dream of a man being chased through a, a high-rise skyscraper thingy with uh, being chased by people with guns, woke up in the morning and started writing the, know. this story. But then he realised that if he made it a sequel to his earlier book, it, it could be sold as a film script for Sinatra. But but oh. it went through all these various things, and Sinatra felt he was yeah. too old, and and virtually everybody else turned it down. Yeah, um, Stallone, I think Stallone and Schwarzenegger turned it down. Yeah. Everybody turned it down. And the book is actually <clears throat> apparently pretty close to the movie. The, the oh, only right. real changes are the age of the character. So originally yeah, the, the detective was retiring, mm, correct? And it was his daughter he was going to visit at the in the in the. Uh, tower block whereas in in die hard he's a far younger detective and it's his wife he's going to visit yeah and apparently it's grittier the book so the the, the daughter's on drugs i think 
and possibly, I know, spoiler alert for the book, but I don't think she makes it. <laughs> Whereas it's slightly cosier, this one, you know, that uh, much as there's a lot of jeopardy, it's not as grim and gritty yeah. as perhaps the but original. But most of the material. bits that are in the movie were yeah. in the book. It, it, yeah. it, it, is quite, it is quite closely based on the book by all accounts. There are lots of those main scenes that, you know, um, henchmen that you thought were dead but then come back and then detective who's yeah. never, or police officer who's never killed anyone before finally oh, yeah. saves the day. Yeah. Although in this, it's because he's, he's a fresh rookie like, uh, as opposed yeah. to a seasoned veteran who just eats donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good image. Yeah, I can imagine the chat when they when they wanted to do this, and I were gonna make towering and funnel, but with guns. Yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> maybe uh, not not the fire. The history behind yeah. it though is fascinating, yeah, and it is. Uh, and yeah, and and Bruce Willis made it during his summer break from making moonlighting. moonlighting. Yeah, apparently he initially turned it down uh, because he couldn't do it; he wasn't allowed to do it. Sybil Shepherd uh, became pregnant, so there was a gap in filming of like thirteen weeks, and he went okay. Yeah. I'll do the movie and apparently there was a lot of a lot of argument about the fact they paid him five million dollars they went why why are you paying this TV actor who's only ever done moonlighting he's clearly not a movie star yeah. and you're giving him a movie star salary he did an episode so. of Miami Vice as well oh okay in one episode yeah, well, I mean whatever happened to him yeah. <laughs> so he did quite a few more movies didn't he he, he, so, did, you know, he, did, he did go he on to do, do too a bad. couple of things didn't yeah, he anyway go. that's Die Hard a classic movie and yeah. now by many people considered to be a classic Christmas movie yeah. although it came out in the summer so that's it was another, never intended to that's be that's another Christmas weird one I think, I think Bruce Willis said it wasn't um, a Christmas movie so that's controversial because lots of people say it is yeah. I mean does it matter? You can watch it at Christmas if you wish. It but, fulfills you know. all the criteria of a Christmas movie yeah. insofar as it's set at Christmas. Yes. It's set at Christmas Eve, True. on Christmas Eve. It's about a bloke trying to get home to his family and things get in the way yeah. and, and all he wants <coughs> to do is get home to his family, which is the basic premise of most Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah, that, it ticks the boxes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yes, it's... I'm just like, if you ask me if it's a Christmas movie or not, my view is like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it can't, it can't be, it doesn't have to be. To me, a yeah. Christmas movie would be all of those things, but it would feel weird to watch at another time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this wouldn't you feel watch weird this to watch, yeah. Yeah, 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 Be- because the fact that it's set at Christmas yeah. and there is a little bit of Christmas music in it throughout, yeah. really doesn't matter. I may be wildly off here, but didn't Lethal Weapon have a Christmassy? Yeah, the first thing? one was set around. So Christmas is that a Christmas well, movie, or is that just Lethal Weapon? There are you know some I mean? who would argue that, that a similar yeah. thing, but but that's even less a Christmas movie because yeah. just because it was set near Christmas. Yes, but my my point is nobody ever says Lethal Weapon's a Christmas movie. There are some but out there, but Die but, but Die Hard is the one that always gets the the yeah, traction gets on that the one. Treatment. Oh, yeah. well. Anyway, Die Hard, the original, the first one, the, yes. the best one. The best Nine PM, ITV Four, Wednesday, the eleventh of October. Our final movie for the week uh, is on later on on uh, Wednesday evening. You might need a set recording device to if you're going to watch Die Hard or, or watch this one. Yeah. Perhaps watch one, record the other. But um, we have ten forty-five PM on Film Four. 13 going on 30. Yeah, I think it's on late because it's so gritty. <laughs> it's not, it, this is an afternoon <clears throat> movie. It is. It's a very sweet movie. And I think I, I was surprised you weren't surprised, more surprised than I'd chosen, chosen this one because it isn't a war movie. But I think this is really nice. Isn't it's, it um, set up in the Northeast? <clears throat> it's about crime, no? Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Uh, no, this one's set in America, dear boy. Oh. And it, it is rare for me to choose what is described as a fantasy romantic comedy. But that's what it's known as. And it's got... Largely really charming because it's got the amazing Jennifer Garner in it, who's Isn't she very great? underrated. She's Isn't a she great? Great actress, obviously very beautiful, but but just sweet and funny in this. So she plays um, the older version. So actually, I should say, start by not saying who she plays because this, it's about it's a bit like the time travel-y thing we mentioned earlier, the Back to the Future type thing, but it's in reverse. Well, it's kind of big <clears> though, isn't it? A bit. She's a thirteen-year-old girl 
who's obviously initially played by a 13-year-old actress or thereabouts, who dreams of being popular. So during her birthday party in 1987, she gets humiliated by her classmates, falls out with the boy next door who loves her, and wishes she was 30 years old. And magic dust, which frankly they never explain, but they don't need to do, um, makes her wake up the next day and she's 30 in 2004, not knowing what's happened. Um, and the whole movie then is about the fact she works on a magazine that she always dreamt of working on, but her life is more complicated than that. And she gets back in touch with the guy who loves her, played by Mark Ruffalo, so he's very good in that as well. Um, and it's how she deals as a 13-year-old with the grown-up world. So you're right, he's a little bit like Big. And one of the scenes that best illustrates how she fits in is the magazine throws a party and it's looking like it's going to bomb because no one's on the dance floor and no one's having fun and the editor-in-chief is worried. And she says, oh, I know, let's just do Thriller. And she gets up on the dance floor and she gets everyone doing the Thriller dance with all the moves. <laughs> and it's they think it's gloriously retro and that she's full of fun and being ironic, but she's the 13-year-old girl. Um, and, you know, that's one example of the charm that goes through the movie. And she realises that the person she grew up to be is not the person she would want to be. She's not a very pleasant person in many ways. But spoiler alert. But yeah, watch it. It's funny, it's charming, and it's a sweet little movie. Okay. Um, th- there were a few movies that had a similar feel to this along the way. Um, th- there was, was it Freaky Friday, I think, as well? Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I think was, that was something about, was it Lindsay Lohan and and Jamie Lee Curtis? And I think they yeah. somehow swapped bodies or, uh-huh. or did something like that. And, and you know, of course, big plays on this to it an does. extent as well yeah, and, and a, a child yeah. inside sort of thing but but yeah. no jennifer garner i have been a massive fan of since the tv series alias that yes. she did now i missed that first time around but when my daughter was i don't know 12 or 13 i got her the box set and she loved it and mm. i ended up watching quite a bit of it with her yeah and i thought she was very good at that and yeah. very early jj abrams that was before he did lost um oh, yeah. a very good series that he did had some wonderful um cameos in there as well, well some- do you remember the early boyfriend I don't know whatever happened to him. Oh, Brad- yeah. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper was in it. Yes, of course. <laughs> he was the boyfriend. And yeah. got, well, you know, I just don't get to see you yeah. and you're always busy. Yeah. And I, think, I think he was a boyfriend or a friend. I can't yeah. remember. Ricky Gervais but. played an IRA terrorist. There's some strange casting. I think it was something like wow. that. And, and uh, you had in it um, uh, Quentin Tarantino played some sort of oh, mysterious wow. figure. He was in a couple of episodes. <laughs> um, Roger Moore played an, an aging British spy. Well, or, or former spy or something like that. Well, he was in a couple of episodes. That's uh, against type, isn't it? Yeah. Magic British spy. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, you know, the, the Alias had an awful lot of yeah. really good people. It and was uh, good as J.J. J. J. Abrams was a very well-connected yeah. person who was clearly going somewhere yep. and was able to pull in some pretty big talent to have these small little roles that were in, you know, just, just in one episode. You know, so it wasn't so much a cameo, really, of any of those people, but they, w- they would feature in just an episode. They weren't in the series yeah. at all. Except for Bradley Cooper, who was in it for, a good couple of I years. I think he was, and he, then he just clearly that character just left because he got better roles. Yeah, you know. And Although he, he came off. back, he came back for ah. one episode like a couple of years later. Oh, right. um, by which time, I think he started to become a bit better known. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he was he was pretty good in it. Yeah. And the whole premise of Alias, the fact that she was this spy, but but no one had to know she was a spy, so they all thought she was a student or That's something. That's right. And, and her dad was a villain, and then he wasn't a villain, and he might have been a traitor, but then he wasn't, and it was yeah, back yeah. and for that kept flipping all yeah. the time. You know, yeah, and was a good guy. Or 
not. Working for some shadowy organisation yes. that they were trying to hunt down, and and then they found out they were actually in the shadowy organisation. And yes, yes, they, they might. It's a bit like that Mitchell and Webb thing. Do you think we might be the villains? Yeah, you know? it's a bit like that. It was, wasn't it? It was totally that. And and then she couldn't tell anyone because it turned out her dad was a spy, and she yeah. didn't know he was a spy. And then when she joined the organisation, she then found out he was yeah. the head of it or something. And it got head scratchingly complicated at times, but it was just it? fun, really. Yeah, um, um, but he yeah. The, the guy who played her father whose name escapes me now but he was oh, really good as well I've seen him in things since and I can't remember his name he's either. been in so, Victor Garber oh, he's been so in fun. so many things <clears throat> since yeah. but but yeah Alias was, was such a good series and it was on around about the same time as 24 yes. and in a way it was it was very action orientated like 24 but with a female protagonist yeah, and it, it was, was great yeah. to see yeah. um, you know to see her there like kicking bottom week after week <laughs> bottom indeed. doing all that but she also did um, a film a couple of years back called Peppermint which is I saw it on I think it was on Prime Video oh, and that was uh, I think probably director streaming that came out uh, a couple of years back uh, 2018 and in that, she it's, it's well worth looking out for. It says, five years after her husband and daughter are killed in a senseless act of violence, a woman comes back from self-imposed exile to seek revenge against those responsible and the system that let them go free. Was she a former member of a shadowy intelligence organisation while she was a student? And then she has special <laughs> skills. <laughs> she certainly Brilliant. developed... It's like Alias has grown up, had kids, lost them, and then gone on a revenge she, mission. Yeah, so, so like her, her <laughs> husband and, and, and her kids were killed, and then she developed a certain set of skills, and she goes wow. and she really goes to town on everyone wow. and, and it's a great great little that movie that does sound like almost like an and it was made by the director of Taken so it does oh yeah there you go <laughs> Pierre Morel oh, but, wow. uh, but yeah it's, the last it's, thing I saw him was Danny Collins but she's playing the mum roles these days you know as you often get shoehorned in Hollywood so it's good to see she's still doing an alias style movie recently yeah yeah that was a couple That's of years good. back she, yeah she's got a lot more TV stuff she, she's got yeah. a great long list of, of, of credits, credits so yeah. she's she's still around but uh, she was also in was it The Kingdom I think it was with oh, um, was. Jamie Foxx Ah, and it was, okay. um, you know, sort of, be, that'd be your sort of thing. It was all special forces soldiers going into um, Saudi Arabia, I think. And it, it had the a feel of a bell, Zero Dark Thirty and, and, and those sorts of movies. It, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was called... The but it is, because we've said before, there's a whole sub-genre of, I used to be a thing and I don't do that anymore, but I've had to come out of retirement because I'm either defending somebody avenging somebody or they're trying to kill me yeah and there's so many of them i haven't seen them all she was in dallas buyers club oh yeah she was in juno you know two big yes. sort of oscar winning <clears throat> movies there and yeah the kingdom which if you've not seen oh, it not seen i kingdom. think you'd absolutely it love yeah. it yeah jamie fox chris cooper and jennifer garner ah, as these chris special cooper, you know, like special him. forces um, a team of u.s government agents are sent to investigate the bombing of an american facility in the middle east and directed by peter berg Oh, yes, I like him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They uh, started out Friday Night Lights and did loads of other stuff. That's and, right, and he used to be in yeah. Chicago Hope, um, the the one that wasn't as good as uh, ER. And he was, uh, he was in The Last Seduction as well, which is really, yes. really good. Yes, yeah, that's so it. Mostly directing these days, yeah. but he's done a lot of good stuff. So there you go, that's a recommendation for me, then The Marvelous. Kingdom, look that out. I shall look it up. But, uh, but yes, um, 13 going on 30, 10.45pm yeah. on Film 4. Uh, it's, uh, it's worth checking out. Howard, which of those is your movie of the week? Which is the well, one that we should... I, I think after we've both confessed to being fully paid up members of the Jennifer Garner fan club, then I'm going to go for that one because okay. it's sweet and fun and a bit different. Right. And it's not a war film for once. I, I'd already <laughs> written up that you'd chosen Tour Tour Tour, so that's show me. Oh, there you go. Uh, okay, great stuff. Well, uh, thank you for that. You're very uh, welcome. And uh, yeah, we'll have uh, more from Howard next month on the Film Guide. Next week 
it is the return of Chris Aikman. Uh, we hope you can join us for that one too. Find out more about the St. Albans podcast on our website, stalmanspodcast.com. And we're on the social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And we're on whatever they're calling Twitter this week. Uh, oh, we yeah. are what is at, it this week? I don't know. It's, okay. it's probably why now. Yeah. That's what I should have called it. I don't know why. But anyway, it's... Musk's mess. Yeah. <laughs> we are uh, at St. Albans Podcast. See ya. <laughs>